The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, I, I got to spoil one of the segments we're going to talk about for the audience. Did you just tell me off air that you were in high school when SNL started? You remember the beginning <laughs> of Saturday Night Live? I- I do. I do. I remember I remember watching the first episode of Saturday Night Live, which I have recently rewatched and discovered that, um, you know, the fact that sometimes Saturday Night Live is not funny all the way through the show is not something that has start has happened recently. That actually was the case right from the beginning of the series that there there were some skits, some sketches that were good and there were some that were bad. But we're gonna I recently. A- yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna have a brief discussion on on the Saturday Night Live that Travis Kelsey was on this past week. But I I have to ask now that we're starting to talk about the original episode uh-huh. one. Yeah. Was there a big build up to this show? Do you remember the build up to it, or do you just remember taking it in? I know it's a long time ago. No, I, I don't recall that there was a huge build up to it. Um, I mean, I there was enough of it that that you know, people my age were interested, you know, knew about it and tuned in. I think it actually had pretty good numbers right from the right from the beginning. But um, it took a while for it to become a real sensation. I think that would be fair to say. But, you know, even in that first episode, you can tell that it you could tell that it was going someplace that nobody had ever been before. That first episode includes Andy Kaufman doing his Mighty Mouse uh, with the record player, you know, here I come to save the day. <laughs> and even I, when I watched it recently, oh, my God, it was hilarious. <laughs> and at yeah. the time when you were watching it, you're like, what is this? But it was funny. <laughs> Always impressive with the TV shows and the songs that can stand the test of time. The fact that you're mm-hmm. still laughing here in, in 2022 just goes into the genius. I, I'm sure there are some things that wouldn't be as funny today. Just like I'm sure, sure there are some things today that wouldn't be as funny on episode one of SNL. But that's just one of the things we're going to talk about on today's Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. We have made it through the first wave of offseason media. John, there's a little bit of a a dark period now media wise until the chief signs somebody typically they will have media once again after free agency begins which is coming up in the next week if it's a 
big enough name. We don't necessarily get Brett Veach for these fringe depth players. It has to be that Justin Reed splashed. Sometimes they bring him into the mm-hmm. auditorium and we'll see where this thing goes. The Chiefs now have some room to work with. We're going to be talking about that on today's show. If you like the editor show, if you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast network, please leave us a rating and a review. I'm sad to say that we have no reviews to read this what? time around, John. So if, you, if, you, if you've been teetering and you're thinking about leaving a review, now's the time because we will read it right here on the editor show before we get into anything. Again, we're going to have a, a news roundup in segment one. We'll re- review the week of news. And there was a good bit of news this week for the Chiefs, some franchise altering news. And then our second segment, we're going to play a little game, John, called Who Stays and Who Goes? Talking about Chiefs that are impending unrestricted free agents will close with uh, a flash pole. So strap in. This is another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. And let's get to the first news topic of the week, John. The Chiefs in a bit of a surprise because I feel like everyone was in consensus. I feel like everyone was in unison here. The Chiefs choose not to tag left tackle Orlando Brown Jr., which caught off caught, caught us off guard a, a little bit. But I, mm-hmm. as you explore the situation and as you dig into it, it's one of those things where you kick yourself a little bit because, in some ways, if the Chiefs were going to do anything in free agency, this had to have been the answer to free up that space. Yeah, well, you know that ends up being the case with a lot of moves. <laughs> Right. We we often look back on them and say, how did we not see this coming? Um, but but it's true. I think most people thought that uh, even if they thought that the Chiefs didn't want to keep him more than this season, that uh, they would put the franchise tag on him. So I think it's fair to call this a big surprise uh, in the eyes of most people. Um, when we talked about this last week, uh, I was the one who said that I thought the Chiefs wanted to still wanted to sign him to a long-term contract. Yeah. And I thought they would put the franchise tag on him just to, because there would be more time to work that out. Um, but uh, I did not, ex- I did not see this coming. No. And what both sides really maintained throughout the year, whenever we spoke to Brett Veach and some of the personnel staff and the coaching staff, Andy Reed speaking to Brown himself, it's, it's that, they wanted this to work, at least that that's what mm-hmm. they were saying throughout the year, putting on their best face. Orlando Brown ends up being this really good player for the Chiefs from the second half on. Had his struggles at the beginning, played well in the playoffs. We know about the Super Bowl and, and keeping Patrick Mahomes clean and how important that ended up being as this game came down to, to three points. But now you have Orlando Brown Jr. They choose not to put the franchise tag. That window has now shut. It's March 8th. Mm -hmm. The window slammed shut yesterday, so there's no more franchise tags. So what does it mean? The Chiefs still, over these next few days, they maintain exclusive rights to negotiate with him. But at this point, if you're Brown's camp, there is no reason why you would ever come to an agreement with the Chiefs, in my opinion, because I I think that remains an option if you want it. But now you've been gifted this opportunity to go and see what your, your real worth on the open market. Is there a team that'll pay you in the realm of the highest paid left tackle, which is what you were looking for last year? When can Brown talk to other teams? That happens on Monday, March 13th at 11 a.m. Arrowhead time. That's the official legal tampering period. Can't officially <laughs> sign a deal until March 15th, the beginning of the new league year at 3 p.m. Arrowhead time. 
I cannot believe we're still doing the legal tampering thing. Just open it yeah. up on Monday. What is the point of it? I, I never. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it was silly years ago. It gets sillier each and every year. The idea, I, the idea just in general, John, that these agents have not already had significant talks in Indianapolis <laughs> with impending free agents is just ridiculous. I just think there needs to be a shift in rules there because it, it's so it, it's just so silly. We're, we're playing this game like we're not going to. Because this happens every year, right? March 13th at 11 a.m. The window opens March 18th or I'm sorry, March 13th at 11 a.m. The window opens. March 13th at 11.01, there are deals that are agreed to. Upon. Mm-hmm. Like how, right. Yeah. One minute, <laughs> took one minute to figure out this multi-year contract. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's the official time when Brown can can talk with other teams. We talked about how the Chiefs can strike a, a new deal with Brown. Um, and and why, did, why did this happen for the Chiefs? And, and John, you seem to be our, our guy that is reliable. You and, and Jared Sapp are, are very good with the salary cap stuff. This was going to tie up the Chiefs' money for the second year in a row. If you remember last year, Orlando on the tag and Tyreek Hill waffling. Chiefs wanted to originally sign Tyreek Hill. We, you know, we forget that sometimes. That tied up a lot of the Chiefs' money and really handcuffed them when it came to free agency. And mm-hmm. I, I just think this time around, they say, all right, we're going to remain cautiously optimistic with Brown. That's my understanding that I, I have kind of heard. And we're going to let the market drive this. I know we're going to play this game later, but if I'm guessing here, I think Brown gets the money he's looking for from another team. And it's whether or not he wants to take less to stay with the Chiefs. I would say he's probably not going to because he could have done that in already. But if he, if it really was just to find out, then there is a, a slight glimmer of hope. We haven't seen those thank you messages uh, for Orlando Brown that we've seen with Frank Clark and, and Chad yeah. Henney. Yeah. On, on Chiefs Twitter, but it, it just seems very, very grim when it comes to Brown rejoining the Chiefs at this point, in my opinion. Well, my opinion hasn't changed. I still think the Chiefs would prefer to sign him to a long-term deal. And I think this move is what they perceive as the way that they can do that. In other words, they can't sign him to a long-term deal at the money he wants to earn. Yeah. And the only way they can convince him that that's more than anybody can afford to pay him for what he brings to a team is for him to test free agency and discover, Oh, I can't get, you know, amount X, whatever that is for him, or, you know, guaranteed money. Y, whatever that is for him. I don't know what these numbers are. I haven't been in these conversations, but he's not going to find that out by just talking to the chiefs. He's has to find that out by talking to other teams and maybe, maybe, as you say, he will get a better deal from another team than he would get from the Chiefs. That's distinctly possible. But if he doesn't get the deal that he thought he could get in the league, I think he's going to end up back in Kansas City signing a deal that's favorable to the Chiefs. John, I, th- I think one of the cool things there had probably that, that we get from comments and tweets and polls is a pulse of the fan base. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now you can tell me if I'm right here. And I, I think you'd be a, yeah. a good person to talk to about this. I think if this had happened last year, I feel like the fan base would be a bit more panicked. It seems like we entered a situation now here on March 8th, where the chiefs have no left tackle, right? I mean, they have left tackle. Mm-hmm. They have a left tackle yeah. where they can play, right? There's Lucas Niang and Prince Tego and no go and 
Darian Kennard. If you yeah, it's not like that. there aren't any tackles on the team, right? Yeah, but yeah. as far as starting with tackles go, the Chiefs don't have yeah. that. And I feel yeah. like if this if it were this time last year before the draft and the magical Super Bowl run, there'd be a bit of panic amongst the fan base. But I think that trust in Brett Veach in Veach we trust thing is finally starting to hit home. I don't I don't feel like no left tackle in mid March here is panicking fans as much as it might have before they've witnessed what this personnel staff was able to do last year. Do you feel the, the same way there? Uh, yeah, I do. I think that's definitely part of what people are feeling right now that the, the, I think that Brett Veach and the personnel staff have more cred with the fan base than they used to have. That's pretty hip. That's a pretty hip job by you right there. After the last, uh, couple of see, actually for the last couple of seasons, what the, what the, what Veach and the personnel people have done in the last two seasons, I think adds up to that. But I think there's one other aspect to that, to this situation compared to last year. If the Chiefs had not, if the Chiefs had made the same move a year ago, not placing the franchise tag on Orlando Brown, opening the possibility that he could become a free agent and go elsewhere, and what the Chiefs might get back would be you know, maybe a third round comp pick, I think people would have been besides themselves over what the chiefs gave up to get one year out of Orlando Brown jr. And I think now they can look at it and go, well, okay. The chiefs gave up the equivalent to a mid second round pick, depending on what draft value chart you use or whatever, in order to get Orlando Brown jr. For two seasons, including one Mm -hmm. where the team won the super bowl. Yeah. And I think if you get a third round pick back at this point, Okay, we can live with that. That was an agreeable price to pay. But I think a year ago, there's plenty of people who would have been upset just on the basis of what the team gave up to get very not very much in return. Well, I think you nailed it. And let's say that Brown does sign a lucrative contract, which we anticipate, right? Because that's why Mm -hmm. he's wanted to hit the open market. As Jared has noted, it's not only a compensatory pick in the third round, it's probably one of the top picks. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah. the way that the Chiefs view these things is when you're upper third round, it's essentially a late second rounder, right? If you're looking at the first or second pick uh, in, or or I should say um, a late, I guess it would be a late third rounder because it goes after the third round. So um, right. still, uh, you know what I mean? It's not really a fourth. It's a, it's right in the realm of, of late third round picks. So that's a lot of value. And, and the fact that, you, you know, you're talking about a, a second rounder, I, I think you're right. It, it probably gave more people pause before the title, just like yeah. everything, mm-hmm. right? People yeah. <laughs> would have been a lot more upset about the Watkins and Clark deals had they not won right. the two championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of Frank Clark, let's move on to Frank Clark. The chiefs have released Clark. It does appear like there had been some conversations about another potential pay cut. I'm sure that at this stage, Frank Clark was looking at his career timeline, realizing he's 29, probably realizing he's got one more good contract left. That's probably more likely to happen at the age of 29, as opposed to coming off another cut deal in free agencies coming off a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. The Chiefs weren't willing to pay what the number was, what was the cap number done? It was going to be 21 some odd million dollars. So that was never right. It was, it was going to be over 30 million. Yeah. Yeah. 30, was, yeah. 30 million. Dollars. So that was yeah. never good. 
that was never going to happen um, as far as the contract uh, as it was originally built to that final year. And so the Chiefs are moving on from Frank Clark. And this seems like the book is closed. When the Chiefs begin, they're very careful with social media. I know that. I've worked at the Chiefs. I've said that a number of times. They're not going to tweet out thank you statements and thank you videos to get mm-hmm. Clark back. This is one of those deals where I, I think for a long time we thought they were trying to work with Tyron Matthew, but they were moving on. I don't mm-hmm. think there's an I don't even think there's going to be a, a further negotiation with with Clark like you, you know, you you sometimes have and, and everyone says the right things where who knows somewhere down the road. I, I think the Clark tenure in Kansas City was what it was it led to two Super Bowls was a great defensive leader. I think Andy Reid's statement had a little bit of a thank you for Clark for teaching Carl Loftus this first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reid is really big on that. But I think this is over for uh, Frank Clark and, and the Chiefs. And. Man, what a chief. And uh, the conversation that was going around yesterday, John, with this was, do you feel like he is a Ring of Honor member? I said he was close. Something tells me maybe not just because of of how short a a tenure and it was a little bit up and down for me. Um, Some people are pointing to the playoff sacks and what he was able to accomplish in in that sense. Do you feel that that Frank Clark uh, is going to the Ring of Honor eventually? I wouldn't say that he is, no. Uh, but I, I understand the arguments both ways. Uh, I think you can make an argument that because of his, you know, his uh, what he did in the postseason, not every postseason, but <laughs> but in the two that really mattered in the two Super Bowl runs uh, that ended in victories, um, you know, his contributions were were obvious and uh, and important and and essential. Uh, actually, what I found interesting about this, and I think we saw the remnants of this yesterday after his release, was that after the second Super Bowl win in uh, four seasons, where Clark had again in the postseason been an important player in the defense, all of a sudden people were okay with with Clark. I thought that was a very interesting dynamic well, uh, that going into the postseason. It was hard to find people who didn't want who 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 thought it was, you know, that Clark was a, a significant, important member of the Chiefs. And after the Super Bowl, there were plenty of people who thought that, you know, just because mm-hmm. there was yet another game where he made a big difference and helped the team win a championship that had only happened once, you know, four years ago before uh, before the recent game. And now that it's happened twice in four years. I think people see, okay, yeah, maybe this is a guy that that we should be thanking, and uh, we, we should be glad that he was here. And and I think, you know, a month ago, there wasn't anybody who thought that. <laughs> well, I, I shouldn't say there was nobody, yeah. but there weren't very many. <laughs> it 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 lends credit, I think, to Andy Reid when people are always asking Reid about accomplishment X. He's like, yeah, listen, we got a game to prepare for next week. <laughs> Because <laughs> nobody cares if you yeah. Marquez Valdez Scantling, he comes to mind as another player who was okay this year, but he had two really important playoff performances. Yeah. And yeah. now all of a sudden people are like, Well, we love Marquez. Maybe he's in line for a breakout next year. It it yeah. really is yeah. a <laughs> what have you done for me lately type yeah. of business. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I, I think it was these playoff performances that'll drive the memory. For Chiefs fans, I think it was these interviews. I think a lot of people always remember the interview 
yeah. following the big games uh, against the Bengals and especially the Titans when everyone's picking King Henry to come into Arrowhead and, and beat the Chiefs. And uh, great Chief. And, and I, I think someone that will be regarded as a favorite for a lot of fans, especially in this generation, especially in this generation of championship victories. Just to clear up some of those numbers things, because I was, I was wondering if I was incorrect. He was due $21 million this year. Mm-hmm. That included the $7.7 million that was already paid to him. That turns into what they call dead money. John, where it leaves us, pulling up your trusty Chiefs roster at ourheadpride.com, is current <laughs> a current space of $17.8 million mm-hmm. to play with, which is a lot of money when you consider how shrewd the Chiefs personnel staff is in building these contracts. Right. As uh, as Jared pointed out uh, in an article yesterday uh, on Arrowhead Pride that um, – you know, he will use the veteran salary benefit uh, quite a bit. I think we had 12 players who were on VSB contracts last year that that uh, cost the, where the player makes the, their minimum salary, but the team actually uh, carries less than that minimum salary against the cap. Uh, Beach will continue to do that. He'll be efficient. He'll get players that are inexpensive. And this leads to, you know, your point about Frank Clark. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be talking to Frank Clark to get him back on the team in June. But if they need more defensive end depth in October, they could be talking to Frank Clark, you know, that he could be a guy that the Chiefs bring back during the season if they need to. And I think that's the kind of move that that Veach makes that's very efficient against the salary cap. And I think we're just going to see more of that this year. Yeah, it's it's uh it's the end of an era in a sense. Uh, yeah. I think you're mm-hmm. seeing the different iterations of Patrick Mahomes' teams, and this is just another extension of, of what's going to happen over the next you know ten to fifteen years. Yeah. I, I know we're mm-hmm. talking about the defensive side of the football, but there had been this graphic going around of Brady, right? I, you get the comparisons of Brady because he's the greatest ever, and he's had all these touchdowns, but all the players that he's thrown touchdowns to, and it is just tens of twenties of thirties of forties. And you see all these Jersey numbers and guys that you remember then the one era of the Patriots. And then you get the next one and that's happening in Kansas city. And man, what a, what a time we always say it on this show, but what a time to be a chiefs fan. Chad Henney was thanked by the chiefs in a tweet this morning, Wednesday morning, John, it, it is uh, it's over for Chad. He, he is retired. It seemed like he didn't rule out some kind of return if it called for it. But I, I tend to think he's done. He's gone out with, uh, two playoff performances that were key for the Chiefs, especially this year, that 98-yard touchdown drive against the Jacksonville Jaguars as Patrick Mahomes was getting X-rays on you know what ended up being that that high ankle, mm-hmm. and and uh, a key guy it seemed like in the the quarterback room, the backup quarterback is not as important as a left tackle position. It's not as important as an edge position, but it is important, and I think it's one of those underlying storylines that we'll be covering at Arrowhead Pride. This summer, is Shane Bouchelle that guy, or do they go and get a veteran like a Marcus Mariota or Carson Wentz? Yeah, you know, that's a very interesting uh, conversation to me because, uh, you know, it all comes down to whether Patrick Mahomes continues to need to have that veteran presence in the quarterback room or not. If not, I think Bouchelle might be the guy. But if Andy Reid thinks there's still value there and having a veteran guy who can step in uh, because, you know, the Chiefs are at the point now where every game matters a lot because 
you know, they're a Super Bowl contender every year. So even in the regular season, you can't afford very many losses, um, which is not necessarily true of every NFL team, you know. Right. Um, so he may still want to have a veteran, a guy like Mariota or, you know, any of a number of other quarterbacks. Mariota is just one example of the names that are being thrown around. But uh, it'll be very interesting to me to see what Reed does here because he's always opted to have a veteran uh, quarterback to step in as the main backup since he's been here in Kansas City. It was, uh, it was Chase Daniel for a lot of years. <laughs> Just, you know, a guy who made, what is it, like a quarter of a million dollars for every touchdown or something yeah. over the course of his. There's some crazy stats about how much he's made per game and, and all that. I'm sure I got that wrong just now. But <laughs> um, but uh, but he, uh, I think this will be a very interesting thing to see uh, in this coming offseason is, is what happens with Shane Buchel. Mariota, to me, has the mobility factor to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I just think in the backup, Andy Reid isn't always necessarily like just looking for someone who's most like Patrick Mahomes because it wouldn't have been Chad Henney for all these years. Right, right. I think, yeah. it, I think the key is <laughs> what you nailed upon, John. I think in the backup quarterback, they're, they're looking for a guy who can come in and win a game. Who is going to come in middle of a game and win the game who's going to have a spot start remember we we saw the year where Mahomes had the the knee thing for two games mm-hmm. yeah who could win one of those games against the playoff team like Matt Moore miraculously was able to do against the Vikings right. that mm-hmm. year yeah. and I I think it doesn't matter you know the style and so if you're asking yourself oh can they bring in a, a veteran I think that's what it's going to come down to it's it's who is the best possible option for us and as much as we've seen Shane Bouchel flash, as much as the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury, who's since been fired, been interested in him, I don't know if he's the answer to that question. I don't know if Andy Reid's going to turn to himself and his team. I don't know if Brett Beach, same thing. And they're going to say, well, we believe Shane Bouchel, out of all these options that might be available <laughs> in free agent, is the guy that's going to win us mm-hmm. one game. And so now I think Shane Bouchel will be here. I think he'll get an opportunity to compete. Yeah. I, yeah. I do, but I do think there'll be a veteran in camp for that that QB two battle, uh, which will be spicy. Can't wait to tweet about it in the heat of St. Joe. But that we're not. Let's not talk about St. Joe. It is way too early. Yeah. To be ta- not that I don't love St. Joe, which I call the franchise restaurant capital of the world, John. Um, <laughs> but I'm just not ready to go there yet. Well, right. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one other aspect of that to this that sure. I think we need to remember. Yeah. And that is that it's not just about the quarterbacks who have just suddenly found themselves without a home guys like Mariota because Andy Reid showed that when he brought Chad Henney on who would have predicted that Chad Henney was in the market to be a backup quarterback for an NFL team at the time the chiefs brought him in. We could be looking at a guy who's been out of the game for a year or two. I really think it's a noodle thing. It's does he have the smarts to, to, handle yeah. what Andy sure. Reid is providing and that's hard for yeah. us to evaluate I mean right. that, that that's something that Andy Reid's gonna have to get the guy in the room and we could think Carson Wentz stinks and we could think that Marcus Mariota stinks and they they do they've they've stunk but then <laughs> they may get in the room with Andy Reid and Andy Reid may be like this guy's pretty smart this guy's gonna add something to our room this guy's gonna make Mahomes better this guy could win a game mm-hmm. and sometimes there's no rhyme or reason because you're right Chad Henney Matt Moore what yeah. And yeah, and they were proved to be fine. Yeah, that worked. Yeah. You can bet that Andy Reid's calling 
Peterson right now. He's calling Doug Peterson right now and said, you okay, think, what do I need Doug to know? Peterson's a possibility? To, to no, no. Back? He's calling Doug Peterson oh. and asking him about Carson Wentz. That's yeah. what I'm saying is that he's asking him, okay, will Carson Wentz be, could he be the guy in my quarterback room? I'm guarantee you that conversation's happening. Wentz can clearly go out and win a game. The biggest thing is, is he going to be okay being a number two guy for sure. a long time? That's he's been, right. right. Yeah. But I, I think the writing's got to be on the wall for him at this point. You, you know, you You'd would, think you would so. Think yeah. Yeah. Lean in and have a, have yourself a career. Like Chad Henney went through the same thing and he leaned into that role and ended up playing for a long time. All right. Um, moving on. That was a great backup quarterback discussion, John. Here, <laughs> <laughs> moving on to uh, Eric Bieniemy and his first Kansas City uh, recruit. Uh, Marcus Kemp is going to Washington. I don't think this is a big surprise. Marcus Kemp provides a lot of value to the team. We've seen that here in Kansas City. He actually sort of was one of Dave Tobe's favorites, but just when a uh, you know a sheer roster standpoint, wasn't able to be on the active roster. I I imagine in Washington he might get that opportunity to be on the 53 the mm-hmm. very least in a, in a consistent special teams role in that gunner role that he's really good at. And then Eric Bieniemy has said that Kemp has been really reliable. So could he turn into a more of a fourth or fifth receiver than he was ever going to be here in Kansas city. And I think Marcus Kemp said to himself, I got a couple of rings. It's been great. I've appreciated some of the playing time, but I have my championships. Let me go see if I can actually get on the field a little bit mm-hmm. more. And, and Bieniemy loves him and, you have your first uh, recruit from Kansas City to Washington, which and, and what I what I'd say is I I don't anticipate this, this will be the last player that you see goes from KC to Washington, just like we've seen KC to Indy with Ballard, KC to Chicago, uh, Byron Pringle, for example, right goes mm-hmm. to to Ryan Poles. I think this is just the beginning. That won't happen a lot, but you'll see players go to Washington to go play for for Eric Bieniemy. I think. Well, I think there's another aspect to this too is that. Uh, when Bienemy has spoken highly of Kemp, he's spoken highly of him as a leader too. And I yeah. think that this is part of what Bienemy sees uh, as what Kemp brings to the team is not only the ability to be a leader, but to to be a guy who is in his corner in the locker room right from the beginning, and he believes will be able to to influence other players to come around to the way that he eb uh does things right and i i think you know i think that's fine i think that's that's something you should do when you're coming in as a new offensive coordinator is um you know getting everybody on board with the way you do things and i think he sees marcus kemp as a guy who can help him do that yeah you're right i I think you need guys in the room and i think that's a great point and kemp again just the beginning not going to see it a ton, but you'll see some players who maybe their role isn't exactly what they want in KC. Bietemy, you mm-hmm. know, is is you know that other divorced parent. You say, "I want to go hang out at Dad's for the weekend." I'm going to go do that. Uh, George Toma, the longtime groundskeeper, this was his last Super Bowl. He said that the Super Bowl Fifty Seven field was overwatered, which is why you saw a lot of the players slipping. There was slippage on both sides. It, our friend Brandon Lee. Gouton, the the version of me over at Bleeding Green Nation for the Eagles, he's been a believer that this was more of a disadvantage for the the Eagles because a big advantage for them in the game was supposed to be the edge rushers and the pass mm-hmm. rushers against yep. the offensive line, yeah, and that wasn't really considered an advantage for the Chiefs. Which I will say, it's actually a fair point, but it is what it is. They were yeah. both playing on the same field. I don't think you could yeah. use that as a 
big time excuse why you, you lost the game. And hey, George, my guy, maybe you played it to the Chiefs' favor. Who cares at this point? The game's in the books, and they're they're not going to go back and replay that game, John. Yeah, I, you know this this whole thing. First of all, you're right. This is a very good point that Eagles fans were making that it it was a an advantage that. Uh, it was something that changed the the calculus of advantages in this game. Right. And it, and it reduced the effectiveness of the Philadelphia pass rush. That's a great point, but I'll just say what I always say in a moment like this, that 10 years from now, when people are looking at the stats of this game, nobody's going to know that the field was bad. They're just going to say the chiefs gave up zero <laughs> sacks in the game. So, okay. So it's a fair point, but it's a point that's going to be forgotten. Did Orlando Brown have anything to do with the overwatering in the field? We'll never know. We'll never know. They did get a week in advance. Yeah, that's the other thing about this, too, is that George Toma was, as always, a consultant to the NFL grounds crew that was in charge of the field for the Super Bowl. If he believed it was being overwatered, why did he let it go on? Or is his consultant role not somebody who can overrule the NFL's current groundskeeper guy i don't know everybody talks about how tom brady wanted to go out on a championship you wonder if george dome is going to actually come back next year do you think he's going to want to go out on an overwatered field or do you think he's going to want to come back and make sure that that super bowl field is pristine uh when he does retire i i I don't know if we've seen the last of Tom. i know everyone cares about brady but i'm i'm on toma watch yeah uh, he's so old though i mean what is he 94 now or something he's he's really up there you're gonna go out on an overwatered field after you had great fields your entire career i just don't know if that's gonna sit well with him yeah i i I see your point but um but he's (laughs) i'm old and he's 30 years older than i am so (laughs) john you you may be a little older than all of us but look we we see your youth at heart right when we did our (laughs) our end of the year happy hour you can you can hang with the best of them as we oh well thanks i appreciate that all right it's time to talk about entertainment which means we are going to bring in steve serta to talk about saturday night live we teased it at the beginning of the show steve you are our our token arrowhead pride editor's show pop culture (laughs) expert what did you think of travis kelsey's performance on nbc so I actually really enjoyed it i was really impressed with travis kelsey on saturday night live and there was a lot of people I was kind of following along on Twitter because I was just sitting at home watching it on Saturday night. And there's a lot of people who clearly don't watch Saturday Night Live every week, <laughs> really weighing in and criticizing Saturday Night Live. I actually watch Saturday Night Live every week and like have since I was a kid. I don't always watch it live on TV. Sometimes they put all the all the skits and stuff on their YouTube channel the following day. So a lot of times I go back and I I watch it all on there, but I love Saturday night live because it's something I grew up watching. I like had like the, the Saturday night live, like best of DVDs and stuff. So I still love Saturday night live and watch it a lot. It's always hit or miss. What was most impressive is that Travis Kelsey only like a couple of times throughout the entire thing really like broke character. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you see a lot of these other actors who do this stuff regularly and they can't keep it together on Saturday night live at all. Like, not only was Travis Kelsey actually doing a good job with the acting part, but he wasn't really breaking character. And for the most part, he did hit like all of his comedic moments. I was really impressed with everything that he did. I did not think it was going to be as good as it wound up being. Yeah, I think that minimum, right? You would probably grade it the show as a whole as an A minus, which is far 
more than I, I thought we ever expected of Kelsey. I think a, a disappointing thing for John, the, the Chiefs fan that maybe never watches SNL, like like our entertainment and pop culture expert Steve Serta, is <laughs> the fact that Creed Humphrey got cut from the live show. Creed Humphrey yeah. was in New York, and they had this skit that it looked like it was pre-recorded, almost like a commercial, really funny mm-hmm, right, skit regarding right. football players lifting up girlfriends for guys that are my size. Thank you. That we we need that we need that help for sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, it would have been cool to see Creed Humphrey get that opportunity uh, on NBC on the live show, John. Well, yes, but I'm glad that we now live in an age where Saturday Night can Saturday Night Live can put that stuff out there, so people can still enjoy it after the fact when when it gets cut. Because this is something that they have been doing for many years. I actually have read as somebody who grew up watching Saturday Night Live. I've read a couple of books about how the show began and how it was produced in the early years, and I can tell you that these uh, pre-recorded bits are things that they do so they will have them in their pockets. They might not necessarily intend to put them on the show when they do the final rundown, but they have them in their pockets in case something goes desperately, horribly wrong. You know, like the 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 musical guest, you know, the, the PA blows up halfway through the song and they can't finish the song or whatever. Um, they have that as a way to fill time. So they always have some of the stuff in their back pocket. And in some cases, things run longer in the live show than you would expect. And that's another reason that stuff can can fall out. I know there were a lot of people who felt that that was one of the funnier sketches that would have been on the show. And they're disappointed that Saturday Night Live picked that one to cut. But I don't know that it was necessarily about making a qualitative judgment about the sketch. It's just the way it played out. And Oh, go ahead, Steve. I was just going to say it's exactly that. Like. Saturday Night Live, like the stuff that is live is legitimately live. Right. And so it runs longer sometimes or or things get cut short or whatever. And Travis Kelsey's monologue was long. Like it it Mm. was I think it was clearly longer than they intended it to be. So it immediately out of the gate put the show behind. And so if you know Saturday Night Live and you watch it a lot, like you see this stuff happen all the time. And you can see them kind of scrambling when they're like running out of time because they have a certain time frame that they're supposed to get the show done in. So they're just trying right. to stay within that network time frame so they don't right. have people yelling at them for going way over <laughs> on time or something like that. And yeah, I, I mean, that getting cut, those pre recorded things, that's specifically what they're for, like what John was saying. And so I do think that was a funny sketch and it would have been cool to see it on television. But yeah, like, in the past, we would have never seen those things. And now they just release them all on social media. So you still get an opportunity sure, to check yeah. them out. The only thing I was really bummed about was that they didn't put Kelsey on the weekend update desk. And I would have liked yeah. to have seen him like do something <laughs> there because that's like what you watch Saturday Night Live for. Yeah, well, that would have been agree. very good. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's close this part of the, the show with a, a flash segment. Can't name Patrick Mahomes. Which chief should be next to do Saturday Night Live? I am going to go. I'll give you guys a second here to think. I'm going to go with Colin Saunders while I still can in these next four or five days. I think he would be great on Saturday Night Live. Uh, We'll see if he remains a a chief, but he's a a guy that is not afraid to poke a little fun for himself. We've seen not afraid to rock the boat on Twitter. He can do a backflip, which would be a great part of a, a monologue. I would love to see Colin Saunders. I'm sure the rest of the country would be like, who, who, who yeah, is on yeah. Saturday Night Live? Which might may be a benefit for the the veteran contract, John, as we'll describe right, here in a few right. seconds. Uh, but I would love to see Colin Saunders on SNL. Let's go to our our experts, Steve. 
It's between two defensive linemen, but I'll go here with Chris Jones because of the more oh. likelihood that he would actually get asked to do it. Uh, yeah. He is a star <laughs> player and has a big profile, but he's also, I mean, we, we listen to Chris Jones all the time. He's funny. He he's uh, uh, just a hilarious character, like in the locker room and all the players love him. And you can tell like, he's got a really good sense of humor. So I actually think he could be funny on Saturday night live. John's a good, that's a good choice. I, I would have to, I'm going to have to go with Pete here and go with a, with a now free agent uh, would be, would be Frank Clark just because, uh, yeah. Oh, you know, on a live show, Frank Clark is a guy who could drop an F bomb. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> get th that. that I was about to say, get that dump button ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've recently started watching golf and I've really oh. grown. I've really grown to like Jordan Spieth because I've noticed that, seemingly every hole that he's on there the sound drops for seven seconds and i know that <laughs> sailor's speed is cursing so that's a, a great reason to have clark clark would certainly curse too much on saturday night live yeah. and i would be i'd i'd be i'd wonder how they would they would work around that 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 problem that he would have but anyway that's our snl segment great job by travis kelsey i believe he is going to be a a in great shape for when his career is over, whatever he decides to end up doing, be it NFL coverage or entertainment or whatever. We're going to get to who stays and who goes next segment. But before we do, John, let's get a very quick mock draft roundup. As we get into draft season, we track the mock drafts that happen around the country here at ourheadpride.com. John, from what you're seeing, where are the experts, the analysts leaning as far as positions go for the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, we're about a third of the way there. Last year we had, I think it was 115 mocks that we uh, tracked from January until uh, the draft. And we've, we've got uh, 32 in so far. And last year it was evenly split between uh, edge rusher, um, defensive back, and uh, uh, offensive tackle, I think, last year. This year... It's almost almost two out of five uh, are picking an edge rusher, and those that are picking edge rushers, edge rushers, uh, Nolan Smith of Georgia and B.J. Audulari of LSU are the top two picks among those. Now, then we see after that we see wide receivers and offensive linemen. Although I think that could change quite a bit here in the coming days with the things that have happened recently in Kansas I City. I tend to think the Chiefs are trading up in the first round. Now they're not going to be able to be as sneaky as they were last year, mm -hmm. where yeah. they kind of cut up everyone off guard. I think people are going to be looking for that. People are going to be a little bit more cognizant, so it's going to be a little bit tougher for Kansas City to to do that. But I think they have some very clear needs now. And if a player that is an edge rusher, if a player that is a potentially ready tackle is mm -hmm. within the fifteen yeah. to twenties, and who knows because. People like the cornerbacks in this draft. There are quarterbacks that are going to go, which tends to help move the Chiefs number up, right? So mm -hmm, we'll right. see if they make that jump again. And they have a lot of picks to work with. So maybe they forfeit three picks to go up in the first round, which, John, that would be great for us. Remember, it's all about us. It would be less coverage on ourheadpride.com on a very busy draft weekend. <laughs> but I, no, in all seriousness, I tend to see something like that happening because I, I think they should be feeling themselves a bit and saying, we know how to evaluate these guys. Also, we know who's going to be a first year contributor. Look at what we just did last year with the eight of 10, right? So let's go get quote unquote, our guy at a position of need. 
Yeah, I think there's two things about this draft that we need to keep in mind. And one of them is that it's extremely deep at edge rusher, um, which helps the Chiefs in two ways. First of all, if they you know, end up having to do something else in the first round, they'll still be able to get some edge rushers later in the draft. Uh, but it also means that there will be a lot of them going in the first round, which makes mm-hmm. it uh, perhaps more likely for the Chiefs to get an offensive tackle, perhaps, yeah. at 31. And then there's another position where that's true also, and that's tight end. This isn't something that you would normally see, but Daniel Jeremiah made a big deal about this when he had his annual pre-draft uh, press conference uh, a couple weeks ago, which lasts like two hours, and he takes questions from reporters all over the country. And he said that he had... I think 11 players with with tight ends that were graded within day one and day two, I think was the criteria that he had. That's a very high number for tight ends. And we could see, particularly since the NFL is a copycat league, you could see a lot of teams saying, we want to get our Travis Kelsey this year. Mm. And uh, there might be a run on tight ends, which could, again, uh, play in the Chiefs' favor because they already have their Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and I, I think you're still looking at a a couple years of Kelsey where he's not going to have a fall off in production. Tight end is that one position mm-hmm. where it seems like you can play into your mid mm-hmm. fairly late thirties and still be productive. And by the way, behind Kelsey, you have Jody Fortson and you have Noah Gray and very quietly, these guys look pretty yeah, good behind the scenes. Do. It's not like you need to go and get a tight end to feel like just in case Kelsey that were to fall off just in case, right? Again, we don't mm-hmm. believe it's going to happen, but, who knows he's going to be 34 that you would be able to start to turn the page to the next guy. I mean, I can't believe I've been doing this so long that I remember watching Kelsey take the reins from Anthony Fasano. And now we're getting close to the realm of where Kelsey's going to be passing it off. That's how old I'm getting, but you know, we're, we're in that realm, but I, I think the chiefs are, are, are not only good with Kelsey, but they have a pretty good room of some young talent. Mm-hmm. There yeah. of guys that are developing into their own, um, and so they don't need to go into to that pool. And so you have strong cornerbacks. You have quarterbacks that are going to go off the board in round one. We we talked about, um, you know, these tight ends that could go. That there could be four tight ends that go in the first round. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you add all those. And if they're all in front of 31, which we tend to expect, you're pushing those positions of need down the line for the Chiefs makes them easier to go up and and get it. I, I don't think they're going to get the player they want at 31, but just like last year, if they can get up to like 20 ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe they can go get their guy to, you know, one of the more right interesting away. things I've seen put out there. And I, I guess it's not going to happen now was the idea that the chiefs might trade Orlando Brown to mm. the Patriots for their pick. But I guess, I guess that's off the table now that they haven't put the franchise tag on well, the, Orlando Brown jr. Something but that we're, something that we were missing in the Orlando Brown discussion, John, was the fact that if you're gonna shop the rights, like we've seen as a trend, you mm-hmm. have to have additional room built into the cap right. so you can still right. do other mm-hmm. things. And that yes, just not an option for the Chiefs. They're just up against it, and yeah. they rather the flexibility than potentially getting picks back. And they don't need it. I mean, they have so many picks in this draft, 11, 12 picks. It's not like they – I mean, how many picks are you going <laughs> to – you're going to have at a certain point. Yeah. So I think that's what they said to themselves. They said, look, we got a championship out of OBJ. Probably going to get a third round pick. You never know if the market comes back to them. Maybe they can work something out, but we'll see about that. We're going to be talking about Orlando Brown Jr. in the next segment. Uh, Who stays and who goes right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Stay with us. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We we had Steven Serta join us. Saturday Night Live Steve is his new nickname. So thank you to Steve <laughs> for joining us on the show. We had an article come through out of the Combine last week, John, from ESPN. Jeremy Fowler was all over the Chiefs news talking about Orlando Brown Jr. and Juju Smith-Schuster, Nicole Hardman, Juan Thornhill, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had some nuggets there. So we're starting to get a picture of maybe how the Chiefs feel moving into the future. We got the Brown news, and so we're going to start with him. This is simply a who stays and who goes, meaning on day one of training camp, is this player a Kansas City Chief? I'll start with Orlando. We don't need to talk in detail. We've been talking about Brown all mm-hmm. show, John. Right, right. I'll say no on Brown. Where do you stand on this? I think yes. I think that oh, he's wow. going to go out there and find out he can't get what he wants and he'll come back to Kansas City. He's made it clear he likes it here. I think that I think there's a good chance it's yes. Now that we've disagreed, I'm going to start keeping track of this and we're going to come back once all the <laughs> players are completed. Juju Smith-Schuster is next and I'm tending to think that they find a way with Juju to, to have him come back. I think it's going to be one of these three to four-year deals. I don't think it's going to be as crazy as the wide receiver deals you saw last offseason because I think Juju's going to work with them to get that number down. Uh, I think they're going to be creative, and I think it's going to be a number that still allows Kansas City to be to be flexible while signing the positions of need while being able to sign all these jet draft picks. So I'm going to say yes on Juju. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go yes also, and I agree that it'll have to be a fairly creative contract but it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be crazy. I just don't think it will be. I I, I could see where someone might say that, that Juju should be going after that. I, I think that's part of the reason that, that he ended up joining Kansas City. But I I don't know. And, but, and forgive me here because I felt the same way about Orlando and wanting to be here. Maybe that's what led you to say yes, John. But I, I think Juju really likes it here. I think he likes yeah. playing with Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. And I buy – the idea that Andy Reid loves having Juju, and though the Chiefs' offense was was different this past year, Juju gave Andy, and this is something that he said to me, you know, on a couple of occasions regarding regarding uh, his value. So he's a perfect complement for Travis Kelsey, right, on, on the other side, and right, it, it it allows you to spread out that offense, allows you to to run the football, allows a guy for the shots, and they they weren't always connected, but to give. Marquez Valdez chance scantling a, a chance down the field. If you got eyeballs on Juju and Travis, maybe you can do some of those jet action sweeps and, and the end arounds. And I don't know. I think the, I think Andy really liked the way the offense ticked with Juju 
in the mix. So I, I just tend to think they find a way to keep him. I'm going to say yes for Juju. All right, John, I'm going to let you go first because I feel like I shouldn't go first every time here. McCole Hardman, where do you land on McCole? I think he's gone. I I I think it's unfortunate, but I, I think that uh, the Chiefs, because they need to make room for Juju, for all the reasons you mentioned, uh, let McCole Hardman go because not only do they need to keep Juju, they now have somebody who can kind of do the same job that that uh, McColl has done so well during his four years with the team. I think it's unfortunate that he went out on the injury, but uh, we've seen some hints that his market might be stronger even after this injury at the end of the year. His, his market might be pretty good, and I think the Chiefs let him go get it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I thought there might be a chance that Hardman could almost – in a way, sneak back onto the Chiefs mm-hmm. by not having such a great final year. But I think there is going to be a team out there that sees his speed, which mm-hmm. is close to Hill, say to themselves, we don't have that, and make him an offer that the Chiefs are going to look at themselves and say, I mean, we let's say they are able to keep Juju. We have Juju. We have our number one in Kadarius. So that's what they view him as, is, is their top receiver. If he could stay on the field, right? That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. But right. They have Sky Moore, who they've been training to do similar things as early as last training camp. I was watching mm-hmm. it. I was watching on days yeah. where mm-hmm. maybe McColl wasn't participating or where they were doing stuff in the backfield with Sky Moore. And a lot of the times that we said where Hill and Hardman were the best is is what? When they were getting them in those sweep and end around situations where it's almost a return as part of the the offense. And they clearly like Sky Moore as a returner. I know that some people don't like mm-hmm. that, but look, he performed <laughs> in, the, in the playoffs in a really big spot. And I just think that that's what they've been training for. The Chiefs try to work one year ahead. I think Hardman's going to cost too much. I think they'd love to have him back, but I just think he's going to go for the money, and he should. Probably a, more of a, a role in, in another offense. And the Chiefs will lean into more as Hardman goes elsewhere and and then Hardman, just depending on how much he makes, may factor into that compensatory formula um, as well. I think one of the things we need to remember about McCall Hardman is that from our perspective, he missed a big chunk of the season with this mysterious injury that we could never quite uh, quantify mm-hmm. um, as members of the media in Kansas City. But that's not going to be the perception he has elsewhere in the league. Up until 2022, he had never missed a game. He'd been available for right. every game. And I think that's what's going to be seen as a positive for him, even though we had this issue in 2022. I think around the league, they're going to see him as a guy who will be reliable. And, you know, it's hard to undersell that. Yeah, and he did mention on his social media that his surgery was successful. So the team could look at his tape when he was healthy and say, this guy's worth this amount of money. I just don't think the Chiefs are going to get there. Andrew Wiley, let's move to him. I I think that, they find a way to bring him back for a number that works. I'm sure that Wiley is interested in a couple years here, more so than the constant one-year contracts. I think Andrew Reed really likes Andrew Wiley, and I just tend to think they're going to want to have that depth. I think they, they're not forgetting, just because it worked out this year, they're not forgetting what happened when they played Tampa in the Super Bowl. And even if they bring back Andrew Wiley uh, for a number and he ends up being this – Jack of all trades back up. I, I sometimes think that that's worth it. I mean, you have injuries along the offensive line every year. It happens every single year. These teams that get through the whole year with a healthy offensive line, it is 
an incredible feat. And so I just think he's going to be too valuable. And I think his number is going to be low enough where the chiefs commit finally to, to Wiley. What do you think? I agree. I think that you have to put into this equation, the fact that the chiefs love Andrew Wiley. I know I make this point all the time, but the chiefs have loved this kid ever since they brought him in. He's got a great story. He's proved he can play any position on the line. Uh, and, and I, and there's a history here where the chiefs have paid, uh, reserve linemen significant money, uh, in order to fulfill that role with the team. And I think they'll, they'll do it again with, uh, with Wiley this year. He falls into one of those players too, I think. And, and this sometimes happened. I remember for years it was happening to me with Dan Sorensen, where he's just the most valuable to the chiefs. I don't think he's going to be as valuable to anyone else as he might be for the chiefs where he yeah. knows his system, knows Andy mm-hmm. Reed. I think the Chiefs really regard him as maybe a better player than another team may. Right. And, and saying, well, he's almost replacement level, you know, on our team, yada, yada. And so I just think it all plays into Wiley returning in some capacity. All right, let's go to it once here, John, because we're, we're pushing the clock. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and Jarek McKinnon. Where do you see these two? Uh, well, I think Clyde Edwards, Hilaire is a, is a lock. Um, people look at his salary cap number, which I think is uh, th- 3.5 million this year and think, well, oh, we need to get rid of this guy because he's not producing very much. Well, the problem is $2.6 million of that is guaranteed. So he's going to get that paid, paid that money, whether he's on the team or not. All that the chiefs are, uh, are putting into keeping him is $900,000. And you can't really replace what Edward Zelaire brings to the team for $900,000. So, it's a lock to me that he'll be on the team this year. And McKinnon? Um, yeah, boy, I don't know. Uh, he could, his value to Kansas City was he was so inexpensive because of his varied history, you know, with so many teams and that kind of thing. And I think he finally gets an opportunity to make some real money elsewhere. I'm not sure the Chiefs are going to want to pay it. I just Mc- don't. McKinnon, uh, I agree with you. I, I think that he's been waiting a long time for this opportunity where mm-hmm. he had yeah. the December and January of a lifetime. And yeah. he looked healthy. He looked reliable. We've seen that breakouts at the age of 30 can happen for running backs around the league. This actually happened for Corderell Patterson uh, in Atlanta, where he was able to break out in a late age and be an asset for a team. And so I think McKinnon has his ring. And now I think he gets paid on a three-year deal. And the Chiefs are going to look at that and say, this is too much as great as he was. And yeah. And I think they're going to say to themselves as well is a, if we can get a pass protector in this, a lot of his success is scheme and we could scheme up anything. This is Andy Reed, right? This is Andy mm-hmm. Reed and Matt Nagy. We can scheme up anything. Clyde Edwards Lair, I disagree, John. I just think, I think that Edwards Lair is a player who would appreciate a change of scenery. And I, and sometimes the chiefs grant that, um, sometimes they don't, I know that Ronald Jones also wanted to change the scenery mid year. They did not grant <laughs> that, but I think it's more likely that that happens when it's the off season than in season, because in season, it's a little bit tougher to, to do and say, Oh yeah, we're just going to let you go and not have any depth behind you, Ronald Jones. Mm. Right now. I think they could still load up that room. Now. I, I think you make a good point. I think it's, it's a player that has, has produced for the chiefs. I think this idea that he's been a bust is wrong. We've noted right, that in right. Pride. Yeah. The, pro- mm-hmm. the problem has been his injuries. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think Edwards Alaire is ready for a new start. We'll see if the Chiefs find a way to, to do that. I I tend to think he would be worth one of these conditional day three picks, but maybe I'm crazy in saying that. 
you know, would another team be willing to part with that? I I don't know. Um, I think the conversation though, and this is something I noted too, in reacting to the nuggets from, from that combine from ESPN is that we just got to stop talking about it. They won a title since then. Like it's, it's, it's okay (laughs) that they made a mistake in the first round. Their draft has been good since then. Yeah. Uh, He's worth what he's worth now. And right. I think that's a conditional day three. If they do opt to do that, uh, Colin Saunders, I mentioned, I would love to see Colin Saunders back, but I think he, in a way, falls into that change of scenery camp. I did talk to him at the Super Bowl, and he did tell me that despite some of the Twitter interactions, he wants to be back with the Chiefs, but I, I just think he might command more money on the open market than the Chiefs are going to be willing to pay. He was very fortunate to have his breakout season entering a contract year, and though we joke, you know, maybe other teams didn't notice. These teams have personnel staffs, too. They notice right, that right. what Colin yeah. Saunders brings to the table, and I just... I just tend to think he's going to cost the Chiefs too much for what they want to pay for this particular player. What do you think? I, I think you might be right about that, and I think that'll be a surprise to a lot of Chiefs fans because I think you know they've they've come to see Colin Saunders as a guy that hasn't really contributed very much, but the personnel staffs around the league saw what he did in 2022, and I think they're going to reward him for that, and I think that that's going to be more money than the Chiefs want to spend for for the player who fills Saunders' role. But of course, you know what we're not putting into this is the possibility that he could be on Saturday night live. And, uh, <laughs> you know, as, as, as Steve right. pointed out, so, uh, you I know, I would hate to see him on Saturday yeah. night live as like a charger, for example. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, that's, that's, that's just not, not, yeah, that's worth, you know, that's gotta be worth a million dollars right there against the cap. So that's right. That's right. Finally, Juan Thornhill, John, I'm going to say no here simply because they have Brian cook. I think this was a great player. A, a great role player for Kansas city. I don't think after the injury, he ever fully maybe got back to what his arc might've been had it not happened mm-hmm. that, that rookie yeah. season. And it's just a business. I think he will get paid. I just don't think it's by the chiefs. And I think the chiefs drafted Brian cook for a reason. So he could step up and, and be their starting safety now in 2023. So I'm going to say no on Juan Thornhill. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you on this. And I, and I think this is really unfortunate because I think he really had, the look of a player who could be really good in the NFL when he came in as a rookie and it just didn't fall his way. And, um, uh, you know, the, the, the team probably made a mistake by not giving him more playing time at different points uh, when they had Sorensen available and, and put him out there instead of Thornhill. But there was also a pretty clear narrative that he didn't feel like he was ready to be out there and, and yeah. play at a hundred percent. So it's just an unfortunate situation. I hope it works out for him. Uh, with another team that he doesn't just, you know, uh, go to go to retirement here in a year or two uh, because he can't get a good deal. Because uh, I think he's a, at, at heart, I think he's a great NFL player. All right. So reviewing, we did who stays and who goes. Orlando Brown Jr., Juju Smith-Schuster, and Clyde Edwards-Elair, we, we disagreed on, John. Yeah. Uh, you, you said that Orlando would be back. I didn't think so. I said that Juju would be back. You didn't think so. Clyde Edwards-Elair, I said, wouldn't be back. And you think... Wait a minute. No, I, I said that Juju would be back. Didn't you I? Know what? Well, I wrote it down wrong, John. That's that's good to know. <laughs> so we only disagreed on two then. We, we didn't... didn't Did we disagree? What did we disagree on besides... It was just Orlando. See, I, I don't remember now. <laughs> it was just Orlando and Clyde. I was marking okay. it down and I was trying to be very diligent on I was not being diligent as it turns out, but Orlando, you said would be back. And I said, no. And then you also right. said that Clyde would be back. And I said, no, 
The others we right. agreed on, I guess. Juju, yeah. yes. Nicole, no. Andrew Wiley, yes. Jarek McKinnon, no. Colin Saunders, no. And Juan Thornhill, no. It's a tough part of yeah. the NFL. We will see if we get any of these right. Sometimes we, we think we're going <laughs> to. Well, I guess the ones we disagreed on, someone will have to be right. All right. Well, we had a yeah. flash poll that we put up this morning, John, uh, very quickly here. Which free agent skill player do you want to see back with the Chiefs the most? I listed Hardman, McKinnon, Smith, Schuster, and good old Justin Watson. Who do you think Chiefs fans said? We have about 3,000 votes. Who do you think they said they would like to see back the most? In that group, I would say McKinnon. That's right. McKinnon came in at 47%, wow. 47.3%. Nearly half the fan base wants to see McKinnon back. Smith Schuster was pretty close behind at 41%, John. So yeah. right in that realm. Poor Hardman, measly 8.8%. Oh, man. And even poor Justin Watson coming in at 2.5. Yeah, Just... but yeah. I... Watson I, I... will be back. That's something I'll, I, I, could, right. I can almost guarantee was Watson. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think he he definitely justified the salary that he made. Um, but I just I just I just can't see McKinnon coming back because I think other teams see that value that the fans saw in McKinnon, not only in this season but late in the 2021 season as well. And I think he's going to get more money than the Chiefs want to pay for him. And that's there's also too bad. a lot of free agent running backs, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. as is, yeah. Who knows? Maybe the market comes back for McKinnon, but I tend to think he'll be on the upper part of that. And then the, what mm. the Chiefs will do is wait and wait and wait and then get someone for a value that they feel can be just as right. good for mm-hmm. what they would have wanted to pay for McKinnon. But that's a show. That's the March 8th edition of the, the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Steve is continuing to pump out that that content. We have a, a new a show regarding the stock, the rising and falling of the stock of the Chiefs. We have our draft content, so we're keeping it rocking here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, please leave us a rating and a review. I, I said I'm going to mention at the end of each show, I have a book out, A Dynasty Begins. I, I saw that you can get it on Amazon. It's in Rally House. Oh, it's in nice. Costco. It's in Barnes & Noble. It's everywhere. So Costco. Wanna, wow. Yeah. Right next to the 10-pound bag of, of giant popcorn. <laughs> So you can get both. Go and get both and go get a slice of pizza oh on the way out. Underrated my. pizza at Costco, by the way. So to pick that up, I also have the link at my Twitter, twitter.com slash PG Swing. Thank you to Steve, our our Saturday Night Live expert now, our pop culture expert. And thank you to John Dixon for both of them. My name is Pete Sweeney. This has been another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Mm-hmm.